Welcome to Race to Deliver podcast with Vladimir Subject. I am excited to welcome you to this week's episode. I believe God's going to use this podcast to enrich your spiritual walk with Him. Thank you so much each and every one of you who is sharing this podcast with your friends, posting it on social media and also leaving the review. Let's dive into this week's episode. Is drinking alcohol a sin? Is drinking wine a sin? Is the wine that Jesus made alcoholic? How does this apply to Christians today? This will be a more of an in-depth study on the topic of alcohol and wine from the Old Testament and the New Testament and as well as the teachings of the Apostles. So take a moment, grab your pen and notebook and we're going to dive into God's Word. From the beginning, I grew up in a house that is abstaining from alcohol 100% and that is the habit that I maintain. That is the culture that I'm building even in our church is to abstain absolutely from alcohol. And I will share at the end of this video my 10 reasons why I believe in total abstinence from alcohol. But first let's look at the Scripture. What does the Bible say? What does the Old Testament teach us? First of all, I want us to look at the fact that the Hebrew word for wine, there's about 10 of them, but the main Hebrew word for wine is Yavin, which is mentioned about 137 times. And the second word that is most mentioned is Tirosh, which is mentioned about 40 times and usually it speaks of wine from grapes. The word wine is used of both fermented and unfermented drink in the Scripture and therefore it cannot always be determined what is the absolute meaning in the verse where it's mentioned. A lot of times the word wine is also speaks of grapes. For example, in Isaiah chapter 65 verse 8, it says a new wine is found in a cluster. So it calls the new wine when it's just pressed out of grapes or it's still in grapes, that juice is still in grapes, it calls it as wine. So therefore it's impossible to decide in every case whether the reference is speaks of fermented and fermented. One thing is certain all throughout the Scripture, the old and the new as we're going to see in just a moment, that drunkenness was condemned and it has very deadly consequences. The wine in the Old Testament. We see that the wine was included in offerings. For example, in Numbers 15, 5, Exodus 29, 40, Leviticus 23, 12 and 13, in Numbers 28, 14, in Deuteronomy 32, 37 and 38, in 1 Samuel 1, 24, Ezra chapter 6, verse 8, 9 and 10, it speaks of wine being mixed or being included in the offerings that were brought to God. We see that the wine was also part of your tithe you would tithe out of your new wine. You would tithe out of your grain and you would tithe out of your wine. That means it was part of the culture of the Israelites to have wine because God expected them to tithe out of it. We also see that the wine was a sign of blessing. Now I'm referring to the Old Testament so hang in there, okay? Don't comment yet, all right? The wine was a sign of blessing. Now I'm going to read to you a few verses. Therefore may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. I want you to notice how grain and wine was pretty much on the same plane. That was in Genesis 27 verse 28. In Deuteronomy 33 verse 28, Then Israel shall dwell in safely and the fountain of Jacob alone, in the land of grain and new wine. His heavens shall also drop dew. In Joel chapter 2 verse 19, the Lord will answer and say to His people, Behold, I will send you grain and new wine and oil and you shall be satisfied by them and I will no longer make you a reproach among the nations. 
Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. We use that in offering words a lot of times. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase so that your barns will be filled with plenty. So that speaks of grain and your vats will overflow with what? New wine and other scriptures like Joel chapter 2 verse 22, 23 and 24 as well as Joel chapter 3 verse 18 and Amos chapter 9 verses 13 and 14. And there's plenty of verses that indicate that wine was a sign of God's blessing. Let's go a little bit deeper. In the Old Testament, drinking wine was actually acceptable in God's presence. And this is not talking about like a short little communion, one sip that we do in our churches, some churches who still serve wine. I want you to read Deuteronomy with me 14.26 and you shall spend that money. So we know that the second portion of a tithe was spent on purchasing. If you couldn't bring your tithe physically to the temple, you would sell the oxen, the sheep and convert it into currency, go to the temple and around the temple you would buy things like, for example, you shall spend that money, so the one that you converted from your tithe, for whatever your heart desires, for oxen or sheep, for wine or similar drink for whatever your heart desires and you shall eat there before the Lord your God and you shall rejoice you and your household. And so God totally allowed people in the temple, people in the proximity of His presence to come during those feasts that He expected them to come and use their tithe, the second portion of their tithe. Because we, if you watch my video on tithing, you will see there's three types of tithes that Israel did. And so the second portion of the tithe was spent on food and wine. We also see that the withdrawal of wine in the Old Testament was evidence of God's judgment. For example, Isaiah 24 verse 7, the new wine fails, the vine languishes, all the merry hearts sigh. In Jeremiah 48 verse 33, joy and gladness are taken from the plentiful field and from the land of Moab. I have caused wine to fail from the vine presses. No one will tread with joyous shouting, not joyous shouting. Other scriptures like Deuteronomy 28 verses 38 all the way till verses 51. Isaiah 24 verses 7 all the way till verse 9. Joel chapter 1 verse 10. Haggai chapter 2 verses 14, 15 and 16. You will notice as you're reading the Old Testament that part of the consequences of people living in sin is they will lack joy. They will not have grain and they will not have wine. That was part of the Old Testament covenant, God's dealing with people. Now I understand and I'll get to that in a second. Some of you are thinking, well in the Old Testament they also went around killing people and married many wives. You are correct and therefore I'm saying this is the Old Testament. We see that in the Old Testament wine was really alternative to water. Like today when you go to a restaurant, what is the basic drink? What is the normal drink, the default drink they bring you? water and if you're in the United States, water with ice. In those days, it was not water that was offered as a basic default drink. It was wine. Partially it's because their water was contaminated probably and it wasn't as pure as we have here today. For example, Genesis 14 verses 18, Melchizedek, the king of Salem who represents Christ, brought out bread, not bread and water, bread and wine and he was a priest of God Most High. Judges 19, 19, Although we have both straw fodder for our donkeys and bread and wine for myself and for your female servant and for the young man who is with your servant and there is no lack of anything. I want you to notice no water was mentioned as drinking water because most of them did not drink water. It wasn't as healthy as it is today. First Timothy 5 and that's in the New Testament verse 23. Paul says to Timothy to not just drink water but to drink wine because of his constant 
problems with stomach. We also see that wine was drunk with meals. Genesis 27 verse 25, he said, bring it near to me and I will eat of my son's game that my soul may bless you. And he brought it near to him and he ate, so it speaks of Isaac, and he brought him wine and he drunk. So Isaac, he ate the meat, the meal, and he also drink wine. Proverbs 9, 2, it talks about wisdom building her house and it says, and she has slaughtered her meat and mixed her wine. She also has furnished her table. In the Bible, it talks about wine bringing joy. I'm going to again refer to the Old Testament. Judges chapter 9, verse 13, but the wine said to them, shall I seize my new wine which cheers both God and men? And shall I go and sway over trees? Of course, this was a parable of one of the sons of Gideon who was exercising authority and in this parable the vine says, shall I stop producing new wine which brings joy to God and men? In Ecclesiastes 9-7 it says, go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart for God has already accepted your works. Psalm 104 verse 15, and wine that makes glad the heart of men, oil to make his face shine and bread which strengthens man's heart. Now, I want you to notice so much emphasis on bread. My goodness, I mean, we're discouraged from eating bread now and we're, you know, our diet has changed and meat, bread and wine, it was like their, their normal diet. But I'm presenting to you of what the Old Testament talks about. Let's dive in a little bit deeper. Total abstinence from wine was practiced in the Old Testament, but for a season. There were priests who practiced that. They were not allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies and perform their priestly duties being intoxicated. In fact, it was after these two sons of Aaron died that God instituted that. Some people, and if you watch my Strange Fire video, you will see that it's one of the causes that some people assume that the sons of Aaron were a little bit tipsy when they entered into doing their priestly duties after they were appointed by God. Another category of people that practiced total abstinence from alcohol for a season were Nazarites. Nazarites were not really Nazarites for their whole life. They would take a Nazarite vow for a season. They wouldn't cut their hair, they wouldn't come near the dead and they would also abstain from alcoholic beverages and from wine. When their Nazarite vow was fulfilled, they could resume their normal life unless it was John the Baptist who God clearly instructed to the mother and to the father of John the Baptist to not touch wine at all. And so for the rest of his life, he didn't touch wine, which why they said that John didn't drink or ate and they compared that to Jesus, that he was more like a happy guy eating all the time, hanging out with people and they said that Jesus consumed alcohol. In fact, they even said that Jesus was drunken and we're going to look at that in a moment. But the idea is that total abstinence was practiced for a season by Nazarites and by priests. Now, there is a clear warning against abuse of alcohol in the Old Testament. So at first, when you're listening to this and when you're reading this, it seems like, oh wow, that God was really pro-alcohol. God was really pro-wine. But I got to show you the other side of the Old Testament. Isaiah 5, 11, it says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink, who continue until the night, till wine inflames them. Proverbs 20 verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. Habakkuk 2.15, woe to him who gives drink to his neighbor, pressing him to your bottle, even to make him drunk, that you may look on his nakedness. Now, some people will say, well Vlad, you're taking the scriptures, there's context to that. And yes, I am not in any way taking these out of context. It's talking about people who get drunk in the morning, it's talking about people who give drink to his neighbor so he can, you know, watch him be naked or take advantage of him sexually. But still, for example, Noah, when he got intoxicated, it led to cursing his family. It caused his son to 
do something inappropriate and then he released a curse on his son. We know that Lot and his daughters, his daughters got him drunk and then they slept with him, committed incest. We see that Amnon was killed when he got drunk because the son of David, Absalom, was very clear, make sure you make Amnon drunk and then take him out. We see that the king who was married to Vashti, it was when he was drunk, he asked her to appear in his presence and then he eventually removed her from the place of being a queen. And so, and we go see on and on. For example, there, there is a family in Jeremiah chapter 35 where God tells Jeremiah to go see this family and sometimes this family is used as an example. That's why I didn't mention them as a family who totally abstained from alcohol because they were not really from the nation of Israel but they lived among the children of Israel and their father, they're called Rechabites. They had this instruction from their father to never touch alcohol and it was so noble, they, they obeyed their father and Jeremiah actually went in by the instruction of God to look at them and to prophesy to the nation of Israel saying, I wish you guys would have obeyed me like they obeyed their father. But it's important to notice that these families, they didn't just abstain from alcohol, they also abstained from building houses. They also abstained from building vineyards and they lived in tents. So it's important that while we celebrate how they follow the instructions of their father, it wasn't limited only to abstinence from wine. It was also other very huge restrictions that they placed on their liberties as they lived and God actually honored them for that. Not necessarily that they didn't live in houses or drink wine, it's the fact that they honored their father's requests and all the children who were passed on, who were continuing the lineage of this family, continued to honor these traditions. One of the strongest condemnation and dangers of alcohol is revealed in Proverbs chapter 23. It actually gives us 10 dangers or consequences of the abuse of alcohol in the Old Testament. Let's look through them. Proverbs 23 verse 29, who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? We see already five dangers, five consequences of, in the Old Testament, abuse of alcohol. Number one is the sorrow. People who abuse alcohol, people who consume alcohol experience sorrow. It's seen that people are lost after they're turning to alcohol. We see again and again this is happening to people. Is they become angry, they become rebellious, they become violent and often it leads to divorce, abuse and neglect of those who are near and to those who are dear. People experience sorrow. The second thing we see in this verse that alcohol does is it creates contention. It creeps into one's happy, thriving family and relationship. Something happens, fighting, arguing, violence begins to come in into the family. I've stayed in hotels with me and my wife on vacations and both on ministry trips. And you know when somebody's fighting the next door, you can be 100% sure they're drunk. That means that they're not fighting just because something bad happened. It's because they're intoxicated. It's very loud. Things are thrown. Police is involved. And it's always like that because alcohol leads to contention. It leads to sorrow and leads to contention. And then Solomon, you know, tells us that it leads to complaining. We see who has contentions and who has complaints. It's something we're all guilty at at all times or at some times but while you're intoxicated all of your restraints, all of your inhibitions, they leave. Alcohol leaves a person to make foolish decisions that have permanent effects, that have sometimes last forever. Fourth danger or fourth consequence is you experience wounds without cause. It's associated with the huge death toll that alcohol produces. For example, from car accidents, murders, 
homicides, domestic accidents, people who do very bad things under the influence of alcohol. And I don't have to tell you that you see that on the road. People who drove intoxicated, people who in, in, in the whole state of intoxication, they killed somebody. Most people who lose their virginity, they do it under the influence of alcohol. It helps them to go into other sins. People who even commit crimes a lot of times, they're tipsy, they're, they're I call them sipping uh, saints, you know, because some of them still claim to be Christian and they're, they're people who are under influence of alcohol. Redness of eyes, number five, it's associated with mental anguish. It's when one weeps or lacks sleep, their eyes are red. Sadly, people are drinking today to find happiness and at the end, they are the ones that have the least of that happiness. While we may have fun while drinking and partying, the joy is temporary and often forgotten. If we dive a little bit further into book of Proverbs 23 verse 32, it says, at last it bites like a serpent. So it speaks of alcohol and it stings like a viper. That means a viper, a serpent, releases poison. Number six is that alcohol is really a poison in your body. Alcohol is associated with something that causes seven cancers in addition to high blood pressure, depression and dementia. Why do people vomit after a lot of drinking? Their stomach has more sense than their brain to get rid of the toxin. The same thing has happened as it happens with food poisoning. Why do you throw up when you get drunk? Because it shows your stomach actually has more brains than your brain. Your stomach gets rid of toxin. The Bible talks about it, the sting of a viper. The Bible talks about the viper, the serpent, the poison, being drunk. You're actually filling your body with poison. That's the Old Testament. We haven't got to the Old New Testament yet. Chapter 23 verse 33 of Proverbs. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart will utter perverse things. So the seventh danger or consequences of being drunk is immorality and hallucinations. Now hallucinations, you know what that means, you start seeing weird stuff. But immorality comes from releasing perverse words out of your heart. See what alcohol does is it lowers down your self-control which often leads directly into the trap of sin. Verse 34 and verse 35 of the same chapter. Yes, you will be like the one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like the one who lies on the top of the mast saying, they have struck me but I wasn't hurt. They have beaten me but I didn't feel it. When I awake, when I shall awake that I may seek another drink. You become unstable when you abuse alcohol. You become like seasick. You can't talk straight, you can't walk straight, you can't think straight. Number nine, your senses become dulled. It says, they struck me, I didn't feel it. You literally lose your sensitivities, you lose your convictions. You lose the sensitivities that God has given you to be able to operate as a human being. You dull, you, you, you dull your senses. And number 10 is alcohol is extremely addictive. Have you noticed how Proverbs 23 ends with, and when I shall awake that I may seek another drink. You may say that, oh, this is the last one. That's not how it happens. The Chinese proverb says, first the man takes a drink and then the drink takes the man. The drink takes the man. It takes over you. You become addicted. So that's what we see in the Old Testament. We see both the use of wine and we see the abuse of wine. Let's look at the New Testament and then I'm going to share with you 10 reasons for total abstinence from alcohol. If you are receiving this, if this is a 